Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Walker AC Experience coming to you in the new month of September. I'm not going to sing the Green Day song because I suck at singing. And uh, yeah, I'm Walker AC. And to you, my friends, yes, you still are my friends. I'm Adrian. Happy Labor Day and all that fun stuff. I was lazy on Labor Day, but we'll get to that in a second. So let's introduce my co-host, my friend, the guy who puts up with me canceling all the time, Kevin Yu. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? What is going on, everybody? How was your Labor Day? It was labor-free. No, pretty good. I feel like we didn't have like a... Like one day it doesn't seem enough. It should be labor week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's really interesting is... Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. I, yeah, I was sick for a week. And, uh, yeah, Labor Day really didn't seem like too much of a labor for me because I tried to rest unsuccessfully. And, uh, yeah, having an infection is a tremendous thing because most people will tell you, hey, you know, if I get sick, I want to sleep and do nothing. But, yeah, when you're sick, sleeping is not even in the cards. So, yeah, it really sucked. But I'm back at 80%, which is uh, still enough to do a decent-looking show. I'm going to lean on Kevin a whole lot here. So, yeah, this might turn into the Kevin Yu show. I mean, granted, he is more entertaining than me. Um, so, but, I mean, so how have you been, uh, you know, since last time we talked? Uh, I've been okay. Better than that uh, B-minus that you're experiencing. <laughs> 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 you know, trying to deal with hurricanes now that we're in hurricane season. So, uh, for all you out there who do not reside in Florida, we had a hurricane. And there might be one, another one coming our way. Wait a second. No, I did yeah. not know. I didn't know about that. Tell, tell me about that. Yeah, there's a her. Well, there's a, a system forming uh, down in Africa, and so it, they're keeping a watch on it. And so it might just come all the way up here to ruin our, you know, our day over here. Well, seemingly hurricanes love Florida. It's a retirement state. You come down here to live out the rest of your days. You know, I mean, so why not come in, hang out for a while? Because it's been well documented. I survived three hurricanes in a row. Lost power for three weeks. Yeah, that was a hoot. So after that, I'm like, okay, just whatever you have, just, just bring it on. You know, uh, I'm not scared anymore. Right. Florida seems to be a disaster magnet in terms of both natural and human disasters. Have you met some of you that come to Florida? <laughs> well, I mean, we do have the lowest educational rate here. And, uh, you know, COVID schmovid here in Florida. I mean, you know, walk everywhere, slobber on people. You know, DeSantis says it's fine. So, yeah, we're good here in Florida. Come on down. Good gravy. It does seem like we <laughs> isn't going backwards here. <laughs> yeah, slavery wasn't so bad. We should, we should teach that in schools. Well, I mean, as Kanye said, slavery was a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Kanye, okay. Okay. He's a very special man. <laughs> Trust me, we could do a whole podcast on that, but uh, no, 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 we're going to dance around that for now. So we may have to get back to that one a little bit later. 
Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you because I have a couple of topics I do want to speak on here for the for the time we have. But I'd rather have you go first because you came to me with we came to me with an idea, and uh, you know I don't want to monopolize the whole uh, show here. So what you got for me? Well, speaking of hurricanes, I would like to talk about a topic that you and I first bonded over, which is professional wrestling or wrestling if you're nasty. <laughs> the other day, I was thinking about really problematic parts of wrestling because wrestling has had a, a history of really strange and problematic issues for some reason i just recalled the professional wrestler tatanka now tatanka was a native american themed wrestler who i'm very sure was not native american and so he had the uh, quasi native american garb and like kind of danced around and would chop people so <laughs> and it just seems so strange and, and to think in a way for a while um, professional wrestling was captured, trying to capture the zeitgeist of the day for example Adrian do you remember the time that Sergeant Slaughter uh, sided with the um, Iraqis and the uh, Iraq war yes absolutely I remember that like it was yesterday it was highly entertaining from my childhood eyes and I was so offended back then. Granted, I had no idea what offended means, but I was offended. Exactly. Or even back in the 80s, when the Bolsheviks were these evil, was an evil kind team, which I was thinking, like, I don't remember their theme song nor their finisher. Do you? <laughs> I don't think they had a finisher. Now, let me backtrack just one, one, one second, if, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you who are unaware or the uninitiated, Professional wrestling is like a male soap opera. Now, aside from the obligatory two sweaty guys slapping meat against each other, no, it was actually it's a pretty entertaining sport for what it is. If you lose yourself into it and suspend your disbelief, it's about just basically human cockfighting and just, you know, people battling out their dramas in a ring, you know, with just choreographed movements and, and fights. Now, of course, is it real? Heavens no. But is it still a physical sport? And you look at it as a soap opera, like I said, just like watching a movie or watching television. You're going to get the people saying, hey, isn't that the fake stuff? And my response, being a fan for over 40 years, is going, yes, just like Keanu Reeves playing John Wick, that's fake too. Or, you know, just like your favorite doctor in ER, that's fake too. So, yes, I'll hand it back over to you, Kevin. Thank you. And I agree. It is, to me, I like the stunt show aspect of it all. I like the kind of drama that goes on. For a while, professional wrestling got a little too story-heavy for my tastes. I like kind of a, a 60-30 or like 75-20% ratio of you know, wrestling to the drama. I don't like it was 50-50 and it's like, okay, well, this is bad acting. And that's real outrageous then. <laughs> not for me. Um, to continue with really strange and problematic things that happen in wrestling, um, an interesting tag team was Harlem Heat, which you know gave us the um, the quote fruit booty. <laughs> so, now, please, for the audience, Kevin, I don't mean to interrupt. For the audience, please explain what said fruit booty means. Ah, uh, for for you see a wise man by the name of Booker T, one of the no, not Booker T, he was one of them. But other guys, Stevie Ray, one half of Harlem Heat, would taunt his opponents by calling them fruit booty. For example, watch your Hulk Hogan, you fruit booty, we're coming to get you. 
Now, you can't finish that promo because we will get canceled if you say it. So it's okay. Please continue. Oh, 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 oh. oh man. That was the best promo for all of you out there going on YouTube. Check out the versus Hulk Hogan promo. It's a really, really funny outtake. But um, actually, at that time, it was really weird because they kind of had almost a quasi-slavery themed, like uh, both Booker T and Stevie Ray were like being led around in chains. I'm like, oh, geez, this is racist. <laughs> that was interesting back then um, in the 80s, and it, it, it was, you know, it even goes further back. But in this aspect, we'll stick with 80s to, to early 90s, mid-90s. Wrestling itself was separated into a couple of categories. They wanted to make things relatable to us normal folk, so they kind of went to the extreme. If you had a, um, a foreigner, Japanese, Russian, <laughs> or any stuff, you know, anything of that nature, they would accentuate the nationality of the evil foreigner. Because if you didn't speak American, you were a bad guy. If you spoke American, you were a good guy. So hence, whether it be a Japanese or Asian wrestler named Kenzo Suzuki, one of my all-time personal favorites, he spoke Japanese. So he was automatically a bad guy because he didn't speak English. And of course, you had the stereotypical African-American wrestlers. And to borrow a catchphrase from one of the other uh, podcasts out there, uh, one of the hosts, his name is Nate Milton, highly recommend looking up some of his shows. He would say there's a couple of types of stereotypical black people. You had the happy-go-lucky ne happy Negro, the angry misunderstood Negro, or the Negro with no really substantial background. He was just there. Versus, you had the Caucasian, you know, um, all-American guy. He loved USA, apple pie, and he hated the evil foreigners. And you just naturally was on his side. And, of course, once again, you had, of course, you know, the different types of uh, stereotypical wrestlers who had jobs. Because, obviously, in the world of pro wrestling, you couldn't make money on that alone. So, bear with me, folks. It was the 80s, early 90s. You had plumbers, you had football players, even you had porn stars. Go figure. I digress. I'll hand it back to uh, Kevin there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I also really enjoyed the part-time job aspect of the gold image of wrestling. And what it said about the American psyche, for example, let's think about it. A barber, aka Buddhist barber, he's a hero because he's a barber, but a policeman, for example, the big boss man, was a bad guy for a while. For a while, the aforementioned Sergeant Slaughter, who was military, was a bad guy. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, rich people, for example, um, Ted DiBiase was a bad guy. <laughs> and he turned out in real life to be a bad guy, too. But um, generic patriot. For, for example, Hulk Hogan, the good guy. <laughs> the warrior, for example, an ultimate warrior, was a good guy. <laughs> and see, now, if you think this is confusing, my dear listeners, you should actually try watching wrestling. Now, it's not that confusing, but if you really try to strip it down to its bare bones... You will kind of get lost in the ether as far as, you know, what is a good guy and what is a bad guy? What do they stand for? And really, how can you stand there unless somebody punch you in the head three, about ten times and not get a black eye? But once again, I digress. I'll hand it back to you, Kevin. 
I also want to explore the aforementioned stereotypes of people. Now, um, I thought it was really funny that um, the person you mentioned would kind of uh, delineate people like that. So the happy-go-lucky one. And if I had to think of one, I would say Coco Beware. How about you? Yes. Now, for our audience, please explain Coco Beware. Coco Beware was, uh, yeah, and he's um, a wrestler. His gimmick was having a parrot. Maybe a pet shop owner. Maybe a season keeper. I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> yes, he was an African-American who danced with a parrot. That was his <laughs> whole, that was who he was. What was the second category, the angry one? Oh, <laughs> you had the angry Negro. Now, there was, a, there was an angry one, plenty of angry ones, but one called Bad News Allen, or Bad News Brown. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was a militant African-American for no reason whatsoever. He just hated Whitey. So yes, that's what it was in the 80s, folks. Can't cancel him now, so don't even try. And of course, uh, I'll hand it back to you, and trust me, I do have a few more on my side, so what, what else you got? Um, for an angry one, also, he barely counts as a wrestler, but Zeus, <laughs> also known as the star, one of the stars of the Hulk Hogan wrestling movie, No Holds Barred. And also, don't forget, the movie Friday as well. He was Debo. Look it up, people. <laughs> I love the history lesson you're giving <laughs> And then, for the one that kind of just exists, or like, he's just there, I would say Mark Henry, the world's strongest man. Ah, yes. Yes, he signed a 10-year deal <laughs> in wrestling. He could not wrestle to save his life until, until later on. He became really good, and he became a Hall of Famer, and he learned his craft and became very good at it. But it was an interesting time, because, you know, that particular company hired... Just, you know, strong men, bodybuilder, roided up people. It was wonderful. I mean, you know, just once again, to be a professional wrestler at that time, you had to stand out. So ripped muscles, oily, sweaty men and stuff like that. And their occupation and, you know, their, their look and their appeal worked to the audience. So as so once again, as we're describing professional wrestlers and you're kind of scratching your head going, why are they talking about this? Trust us, pause the episode and look up some of these particular wrestlers and you see that they're very outlandish. They stand out. It's entertainment. Just like once again, looking at a particular movie. You think of Keanu Reeves. For the action junkie America guys, you think of John Wick. You know, for the sensitive, um, you know, passionate females out there, you think of, I can't think of a movie that uh, Keanu Reeves was in that was really soft. So bear with me. But you understand the point of this conversation. Um, all these particular characters, because they are characters, they stand out. But there is a light and a dark side of wrestling. But once again, I'll hand it over to Kevin, and we'll definitely delve into that. Mm-hmm. It's also to think of the old school image of women in wrestling. Miss Elizabeth was the vestal virgin. Just, just... She was kind of like the Mary Sue. She didn't really do much, and she didn't do anything wrong. Whereas you had people on the other side, like just, uh, Sensational Cherry or Little Michonne. And I think their gimmick was just crazy. 
<laughs> because for that particular time, that's what it was. Either you had the the uh, hmm, the holy. I don't want to say holier than thou. You know, you want to say the you know the, the you know the vestibule of virginity. You know, Miss Elizabeth versus the bitches be crazy woman that you know were just tattooed up and crazy and yelling and screaming and garbling and stuff like that. Once again, you had a cast of characters, and that's just all it was back then. Yeah, wrestling really lost its appeal to me when people stopped having be like more um, interesting personalities. After the Attitude Era, where it's just like, I always give because I'm a really good wrestler, I'm better than everybody else. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, man, this is kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, I mean, for that particular time, wrestling was just an escape. You know, that's all it was. You know, I mean, wrestling has been around since the 1900s, even before that. So it wasn't just something that just popped out of the blue. And something's always been there. But once it turned mainstream... You, they had to capture a particular audience. So what do you do when you want to get someone's attention? You make it flashy. You know, you shine a flashing light or you say, hey, something shiny, and you look, and there it is. So that's what that wrestling company is at a time. That's kind of what it is today. They're, it's more focused on athletics and, um, and uh, Cirque du Soleil, more or less, than the loud and obnoxious kind of gimmicks that they portray. But it's still entertaining for what it is. So, you know, for those of you who are not into wrestling or the fake stuff, take a pause. Go on YouTube and look up 80s, 70s, even 90s wrestling. It's entertaining. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you chuckle. It'll kind of make you scratch your head and sometimes actually make you question life because there are so many different periods of genres of wrestling that are out there. You know, of course, you had the wholesome family fun. You had the Attitude Era. That was called the Attitude Era was mainly just shock wrestling you know you had your blood you had your sexual innuendos you had more violence and stuff like that now to where it's more sport mixed in with a little bit of humor and sarcasm it really doesn't stray to the extreme to the left or to the right but back then it was really entertaining this is something that that we're focusing on absolutely and there's different like it's really interesting because it occurs in different countries namely mexico and japan and so when you watch wrestling from those parts of the world, you see the differences, and I think it's real fun. But then uh, I also think it's kind of, it should be a direct comparison with um, mixed martial arts. I enjoy mixed martial arts, but it's a different thing. It is, that's really fight, fighting real people and really hurt. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it is comparing apples to oranges, in my opinion. Yes, and I do agree. Uh, mixed martial arts is not entertaining to me just because I grew up on the entertainment aspect of wrestling. Mixed martial arts can end within a matter of seconds. You hit somebody in one good spot, they go down instantly. It's not really theatrics. It's more of the classic primitive just violence, I guess. Just, you know, just more stylistic because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a tough guy. But if I go into the octagon, somebody's going to choke me out within a matter of seconds, and I will poop myself. I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, but I just lean towards more of the wrestling aspect of it first because it's more entertaining for what it is. Yeah, I, I appreciate both. But having said that, I invite you to look up a fighter. His name is Genki Sudo, the Neo Samurai. He's amazing. 
he would fight with his back to his opponent. It was amazing. And he would have these little, like, um, really elaborate, choreographed uh, entrances to before he entered the octagon. It's pretty amazing. I highly recommend it. I really like that fighter. But yeah, I mean, it's also really weird when we've witnessed the crossovers. Um, for example, like Steve Blackman or um, Tank Abbott or uh, Ken Shamrock, who went to the WWE. Like, what are you guys doing there? Or even um, uh, Ronda Rousey. Yes, and she made the transition and worked over there, and she did very, fairly well for herself. And now, allegedly, she's going back to the UFC. But once again, that's you know debatable. But um, you know, for for it, for it being what it was, it's entertainment, and it's a very, very good paycheck in their pockets to to do something like that. Um, Kevin, I'm not too sure if I told you, but during the 20 plus year span. <laughs> that you know that we lived our own, that we lived our lives separately. I was a professional wrestler for a while. What? Yes, <laughs> yes, I was a professional wrestler for a while. Oh man! <laughs> Tell me about that, please. Well, I don't like to talk about myself, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, uh, I uh, no, uh, um, I wrestled for um, Southeastern Championship Wrestling. I'm here in Florida. I'm not going to tell you where, folks, because I want you Googling me. And, uh, yeah, I did training for a while. I wrestled a few matches. I wrestled quite a bit of matches. And it was entertaining. I was terrified in the very beginning. But after a while, you know, it's like a brotherhood. I mean, you have very, very good camaraderie, you know, amongst all the other wrestlers. And it was fun. It was fun. It was exciting. It was brutal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, that's something that I get to... I get to have that memory. I get to take that memory with me. I get to share it, you know, uh, with, with my little one or with friends and stuff like that. So it was a very good experience. It's something I wanted to do on my bucket list. So yes, yes, that was and that was a period of my time before I jumped into fatherhood. Oh, pretty good, pretty good, man. I can imagine you're giving some costumes and finishers. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, my, you know, one of my finishes was a scared black man look, but I really couldn't pull that off because I wasn't really that scary. So I had to really had to go for something else. But uh, did you ever want to wrestle? Uh, not really. It was like, that looks dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the times I've been to live events. I was at this one event where it was a tag team match. And then um, it was, so the setup was... Uh, a guy was trying to do a powerbomb and his partner would do a neckbreaker. And so it's a little hard to describe for those that may not understand these moves. But, you know, when they execute move, the guy was just, was like, oh, well, he's not moving. Great, cool. Let's just get him on stretcher and get him on it. Like, well, that <laughs> was not planned, was it? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, as we mentioned, uh, you know, there is, a, there is a darker side to professional wrestling, just like any kind of sport. This is like any kind of acting, you know, I mean, sometimes things go wrong or somebody has animosity towards another person or the person just winds up has extracurricular activities outside of the ring. And I'll give you a small example and I'll toss it back over to you, Kevin. Um, in the 70s and 80s, there was this wrestler, Canadian wrestler named <coughs> Dino Bravo, D-I-N-O-B-R-A-V-O. You can always pause the podcast and look him up. He was a good strong man, good wrestler, and he wrestled for many, many different years. 
Now, come to find out, during the later years of his career, he got tied up with the mob. And you can see where this is going. <laughs> so, fast forward, he was executed for his uh, weird behaviors. Now, it's a very good story. I'm not going to dip into it too much. But he did some pretty bad things, folks. So, yes, you can definitely Google him or YouTube and look him up. Dino Bravo is another wrestler that just, you know, just did some horrible, horrendous things. So, uh, back to you, Kevin. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, for every guy you got, like John Cena, who, who fulfills every child's wish for a Wicked Witch Foundation, you got a Dino Bravo or that one guy from um, ECW who was convicted of murdering somebody. Oh, yes. New Jack. Yeah, good old New Jack. <laughs> yes. Now, once again, those of you are asking, who is New Jack? Is it, isn't that a movie? Yes, it was a movie. But no, there's a character named New Jack. And um, the um, story has it that he was a bounty hunter with uh, four justifiable homicides. Now, whether that's true or not, it's up to you to decide. You can Google him and look him up as well. He was something called a hardcore wrestler, not porn. Hardcore wrestler... <laughs> Which, which they use weapons like, you know, garbage can lids, trash cans, kendo sticks, stuff like that for the illusion of violence. And so, yes, he marched to be his own drum and he passed away a couple of years ago. But if you, if you Wikipedia him or look him up, he's a very entertaining character that been arrested for many, many different things. So, uh, yes, that is the darker side of professional wrestling. And, um, but no, as growing up watching it, you know, suspending your disbelief, looking for, you know, heroes at a certain time of your childhood life, you know, you dip your toe into professional wrestling just to watch it. You know, and of course, just like watching, you know, cartoons or movies, you look for escapism. But and that's something that definitely worked for me. And so getting Kevin into it also, that was very fun. Also, I mean, you know, Kevin had a good time watching it along with me. And yes, it was it was definitely entertaining for what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even thought about experiment for us. Maybe we should do another assigned podcast <laughs> doing delving into uh, wrestling in our own way, following people like, you know, wrestlers and events and such. Like, <laughs> I do, who else do I have to talk about Halloween Havoc with? <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing about it is, I mean, there are a million and one different wrestling podcasts out there um, that I listen to that are just... You can type in wrestling podcasts and you'll come up with so many different topics, whether it be talking about classic, newer stuff, you know, stuff that we just talk about, stuff that we goof off about. They talk about the same thing. But yeah, I mean, if, you know, if it, wrestling isn't your cup of tea, that's no problem. But I recommend just trying it out once because I wasn't a big fan of, I wasn't a big fan of country. I tried it once. I loathed it with non-dying passion, but at least I tried it. Yes, exactly. I think that's important. Try everything twice. Maybe the first time wasn't for you anyways. <laughs> you <gotta> make sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, try something different. I thought about, like, uh, going to the symphony during this month. I'm like, I heard a story about the symphony around here. I'm like, huh, that'd be really fun. Then they're trying to make it more accessible, more affordable for people. I'm like, that'd be a really nice experience. So, you know, kind of just looking out for new experiences is really nice. I mean, that's how you really make memories. You don't make memories by doing the same thing over and over again. It's just your life is just like it turns a Groundhog's Day and accidentally. <laughs> now, I do have a question for you. Um, you know, I grew up watching wrestling. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday, you know, my mother, 
um, had wrestling on the TV because she was a wrestling fan for a while there. And I sat uh, in my high chair and I watched these two guys beat the crap out of each other. And it was entertaining. <laughs> and I watched it for many, many years up until now. Um, what was something that your parents got you into uh, I was a kid or something that you just discovered on your own that, that hooked you for, for, for many years? Oh boy. Uh, uh, my parents are a little more traditional always like, you know, work or just take care of the house and that's about it. You're, you're on your own. You were on school. Um, I still love color books. I just love them so much. Um, even though I have low vision now, I, I still am interested in stories and what's going on. Um, a quick plug is Comics Explained. I love that uh, YouTube channel because the guy is just so dedicated to comics. Well, goes into detail about characters and story arcs. And I was listening to it last night, and it seems like so much fun stuff is happening in the world of comic books that you know it's still fun to even listen to. And so I've you know I spent way too much money on it, and I've just got long boxes of comics. And I just, to me. It's about stories and just the memories it brings back and how it, you know, increased my vocabulary, increased my reading comprehension, sparked my imagination, and actually kind of really made me think about what it means to be a, a good person, doing good things despite the cost of doing the good things. Interesting. Now, what was your first experience with that? I mean, what was, what was the first thing you read? Now, do you remember? Um, it could have been one of two comics one it could have been like a superman comic where um uh i think a woman from another planet land on earth and this demanded to fight superman because she's she claimed that i'm gonna beat you because you're the only man strong enough for me to marry <laughs> that was kind of odd <laughs> then the other one could have been a um maybe an avengers or a captain america comic book but yeah i think i got them from the local supermarket and just, I mean, just has really had a good time reading them. Now, that's pretty interesting because I envy you a little bit because I've always wanted to get into comic books. My sister um, was heavily into comic books. Uh, Our uncle owned a comic book shop, which he still does. Um, Comic books has never really got my attention because I always wanted to see the live action. Um, my, my imagination, just like, just like any other kids, was very active. So I always wanted to, to see it instead of read it. Um, look at the pictures, of course, is one thing, but I always wanted to see the action. So watching cartoons at the time was my escape. My sister was heavily, heavily into comic books. And the only comic book I actually got into later on in life was a comic book called The Max. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I have. They, they even had that MTV... Uh, um our animated adaptation. Yes, and oddly enough, I uh, have that. I have all of the Max animation on my hard drive. Don't ask me how I got it, folks. But yes, I yes I do have the Max. But um, yeah, there was it was it was so much for me as a young kid because you know you had DC, you had Marvel, you had every single um, superhero known to mankind at that particular time. So there was never really one that would, you know, that, that would have my attention. So I would turn my attention to cartoons and wrestling. Um, so back to you, after your comic book love, did you have a second love you know, as you got older, or was it just comic books in, in general? Excuse um, me. Um, I did like video games. I really enjoyed them for a good long time. 
for a while, uh, I was too intimidated to play because I'm like, oh man, this seems so hard. But granted, NES games were hard because of bad programming and sloppy controls. <laughs> and so when I got over the fear, you know, I I experienced a rage that I have never <laughs> I rarely experienced in any other way, just because the controls are bad. Just a flip out and scream at your Nintendo and TV like you was a computer cheating. <laughs> <laughs> like, like at this age, I'm like if I can't handle that kind of like pressure on my heart, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I heard you mention heard you mention when Jeff, uh, you know, um, and a couple other podcasts, uh, Serial and Beer, that you guys did um, a couple months back, that I think I forgot what your quote, something effective. You never really experienced real rage, you know, uh, until you played a video game when you were a young kid. And yeah, I had Nintendo, I think, when I was twelve. And yes, I experienced rage, not rage enough to break my controller of video games because my mother would kill me. But rage enough to just put the controller down, walk around my room for a few minutes and breathe, and then pick it back up and try again. So, yes, uh, nothing nothing um, was stress-inducing as a child than uh, playing a Nintendo for the first time. Yeah. Some people complain that video games these days are too easy. And I tell them, no, this should be easier. You just don't know what it's like to have to replay the same level in, in Battletoads or the Ninja Turtles video game. You just don't want that in your life. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, these kids will never know the struggle, man. They'll never know the struggle. All they know is turn on the Xbox and the PS5 and there you go. You never, you, you never had to you know, figure the struggle of buying cartridges and blowing on them and making sure they will try to work. <sighs> See? Uh, maybe they should. <laughs> you, maybe they should. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> like, what it did to me. Because, <laughs> like, at least I didn't have the internet to rage, to, like, put my rage into. <laughs> yeah, we really had no outlet, you know, for our rage other than going outside and destroying something. Uh, <laughs> but, but speaking of destroying something, our, our last topic here I wanted to ask you, I don't want to turn dark or anything, but, you know, but, but of course you and I, um, are different nationalities, and we have different different types of backgrounds. How were you raised as far as, and this is kind of a really vague kind of question, um, how was discipline taking care of it in your house? Uh, a lot of being commanded on what to do and just do it. Like, I've had a lifelong problem with anxiety, so <laughs> it's not... It's not too, uh, for me, in my case, it wasn't too hard to maybe do things because I'm too excited to do it, do it wrong, or get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I think I played into a lot of things and like, going and get in trouble with cops, no problem. That was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't need that purple punishment because I just wanted to get things right and not get yelled at and have people like me. So, so I mean, so your parents never had to really discipline you. You know, they would either give you the look of disappointment, or, or, or I mean, or would they like you know yell at you? Or I don't want to get yelled at. Yeah, and being nagged. No, being nagged into doing things. <laughs> so yeah. Oh. How about you? Oh, good heavens! Now. Of course, now we're going to dip into the stereotype here, folks. We're going to dip our toe in, you know, to the horrible stereotypes of African-Americans. No, I'm kidding. Um, there was, 
there was uh, four of us. And my mother was the mother and the father of the family. And, uh, you know, you know, she works nice. She worked night at the hospital. She was a nurse and she was tremendous at what she did. So she worked really hard to take care of us. So she had to be, you know, the father, the disciplinarian, the mother, the nurture, the care, you know, the caring person, you know, and it always made the joke that my mother was really tough. You know, she beat us, heal us and then beat us again. So it was wonderful. Um, so the, the yelling thing wasn't really there. My mother spoke very softly, but very, you know, with a very strong tone. And, you know, my mother was a Chuck Norris of discipline. Um, you know, I mean, I have seen no faster hands move than my mother's when she would give us five fingers across the face a couple of times or a nice swat on the bum, you know, if we didn't get things done. It wasn't the fact of we were terrified of her. We were not terrified, but if things didn't, did not, if things did not get done around the house, they would be terrified. We'd be, we'd be, we'd be scared to death. I have dreams of me, of me hitting my mother and I woke up and I apologized to her. It was that bad. Um, well, no, it was, it was interesting because, you know, I would see other, other ethnicities, um, parents discipline their children and always chuckled to myself when a father would look at, you know, um, their son and go, I'm disappointed in you. And the son would just crumple to the ground. And me, I'm like, oh, please, I wish my mother would say that instead of hit me. That'd be the greatest thing ever. You know, um, that, you know that, that old Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire? Uh, yeah, I know that one. Okay. Now, once again, folks, pause the podcast, look on YouTube, look up We Didn't Start the Fire. So, and I would always make the joke that Billy Joel will list off everything that was going on in the world. I would list off everything my mother used to hit us with. You know, armchairs, table legs, broomsticks, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was nowadays when we look at it, we kind of laugh about it and joke about it now. But we were disciplined from everything from ping pong paddles to broomsticks to extension cords to telephone cords to belts to you name it. If it wasn't nailed down, we get hit with it. But for that particular time, that particular generation, that's how things got taken care of. I mean, I don't have any long-term damage. I don't think I do. If I have a brain bleed, I would never know. But uh, no, I think I turned out pretty well. Very nice. <laughs> Quick, folks. Make the MRA. <laughs> <laughs> anything happens, folks, it's the autopsy. Just take the autopsy. Um, so, I mean, you were, I mean, you're, I mean your parents um, verbally discipline you. Nothing striking, in other words. Not really. It wasn't that type of thing because I don't know. Maybe I didn't know how they were raised, and so I don't know whether they they either are just repeating what, how they were raised or they're kind of like went the other way. <clears throat> That's what you say. Well, I mean, regardless, I mean, you turned out you know very well. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, you haven't murdered anybody or anything, um, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe through the butterfly effect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure, through that banana peel on the ground. <laughs> well, my, so my, one, one of my questions, one of my final questions to you is I'll turn it over to you. We'll either talk about something else or go straight to rants. Do, do you ever think that you were ever disciplined, you know, your children or, or something of the sort, or do you stick with um, how your parents did it? 
Well, just through my profession, I want to go with things that are more scientifically based, which um, is about having expectations and also um, providing a good role model. It's like you can't expect your kid to be um, disciplined if you yourself are not disciplined as well. Um, and just setting expectations, setting boundaries, and letting them know the rules and being consistent with the rules. If you're wishy-washy, of course they're not going to do it. And, you know, because they know they're going to push that boundary. But if you know, they know exactly what's going to happen. You ask them, okay, if you do this, what's going to happen? Tell me. It's like, they can't just lie. You know, not letting them kind of be like, well, you didn't say you were going to eat, eat this cookie. You said we could eat chocolate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really kind of being firm. And um, in a way, um, some people say, you know, well, you should be your friend, your kid's friend later in life I'm like no you have to be their parent because there is not all the way around it as well your parents can't be your for your your friends can't be your parents but you have to assume that role it's a very special and important role and i think also it's well worth your time to learn about it you know read read up and maybe take some courses you make that investment time now it'll make your life easier and make your child's life easier as you go on and i just you know, from the research that I've delved into, it's not, it's, um, kids grow up well despite corporal punishment, not because of, you know, it's kind of reinforces a might makes right rule as well, and that you can't, it doesn't translate into problem solving in the future. You know, when you, I can't just, you know, punch the IRS and get out of taxes, now can I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I do understand. Um, you know, I mean, you know, of course, me and my family, we joke about, everything we've been through, like I said, and having my little one, you know, I've only had to, you know, swat his bum to get his attention, not even three times, you know, three or four times my whole entire life, and he's 19, you know, always have that worry that if I never discipline him, you know, he would either, you know, later on in life be standing at a podium saying, you know, I like to thank the Nobel Peace Prize, you know, thank you for this award, and then my other dream will be, you know, him standing behind the counter going, would you like fries with that? You know, and I just always wondered, you know, what I would do if I was a parent. And I can honestly safely say that, thank heavens, that he turned out okay, as far as I know. I mean, I can't find the bodies, but I'm glad he turned out okay. And, you know, you're looking back at the whole discipline structure that it was back then and how it was accepted back then versus how it is now, you know, it's, it's kind of like light and day because now, you know, the kids kind of run the parents instead of the other way around. But, you know, once again, I survived, <laughs> you know, I survived and everything was okay with that. Well, again, you know, I think also be careful of anecdotic evidence because that's always happened in the past too. There's, there's always been spoiled children and, you know, everywhere. And also kids that have like basically live with drill sergeants <laughs> It's so weird to see parent, you know, when I was kids that had to call their parents, you know, ma'am or sir. I'm like, geez, do you have to fill out W two for them as well? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's to me, it's like you know, going with research for how to do things. It's usually a good bet. <laughs> yes, of course. And once again, I'm extremely grateful. But um, as we as we wind down here. Uh, you want to head on over to, to rants, Kevin? What, what you got for let's, a rant? Let's go rants. 
Hmm, okay, let's see. I want to rant against, um, allergies. Allergies are annoying. <laughs> like, as I got older, I got to be lactose intolerant. And that's just, like, why? You would get allergies to oak trees or grass or, or, or you know, peanuts or whatever. And then you're, and supposedly your body changes allergies every seven, seven years. And like, I just want to eat ice cream in peace. I don't have to worry about getting a lactate into me for that. I just don't want to do it. So, do you have any allergies? Um, yes, I do. Um, my allergies mainly just from either dust, heavy, heavy dust, or certain breeds of cats. Um, I'm... I just say I'm allergic to cats. Um, my son brought home a kitten that he's had for a couple of years now. Um, when he first brought the cat home, my nose seemingly exploded. Um, and I took allergy pills for it. But then, of course, you know, we treated the cat and whatnot, and he's fine now. But other than that, uh, animals I'm allergic to and just heavy, heavy streams of dust. Um, hence me always cleaning my house, <clears throat> like, all the time. But yeah, um, like pollen and stuff like that really, really never really affected me. Uh, I'm not too sure why. I mean, what is something that you're really, really, uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, what's, what's something that you're really allergic to? Hmm. I think, yeah, dust I'm pretty allergic to, like heavy dust as well. Um, yeah, but like stuff like hay fever, I don't have any of that. So yeah. That's all the allergies I think of, I can think of, and I think I've accidentally revealed our weaknesses to our enemies. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not allergic to cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to money. <laughs> <laughs> tons and tons of money being left at my doorstep. <laughs> yeah. How's about your rant? Uh, my rant is something kind of silly. Um, and I've seen it for many, many years. Um, at the time when um, I had my, you know, I had my fiance at the time, we would walk around the store, walk around the mall and stuff like that. And we would kind of point and chuckle because we just didn't care. <laughs> we would point and chuckle at parents who had their kids on leashes. I have never understood that to save my life. And, you know, I used to sit back and I used to wonder, I would just question their their parenting skills or what does it take for you to go screw this noise we're getting a leash for our child we have to walk our child because we can't train our child to walk properly or stand next to us or you know not to get abducted we're going to put them on a leash and they're going to have six feet to run across and we'll just yank them back like it's nothing and I, I, that just boggles my mind granted i haven't seen it in a couple of years but the times that i do see it i just i just wonder you know, make sure to pull the parent aside and go, what really made you decide that you want to do that? At one point in your life, you just give up trying to teach your child, you know, to not necessarily be obedient, but just train your child, you know, just to be by your side to, to listen to your instructions instead of just putting it in the leash. Because that's a couple steps away from, you know, you know from, uh, you know, scraping poop off the floor when, you, when your child just stops and squats. <laughs> To put it into perspective, there is a uh, reason that I can think of. If the child has um, very poor safety awareness, 
you know, having worked with children with special needs, there I've seen children who just run out the door, like right into a parking lot. And so it could be an extreme safety measure. You know, granted, if, you know, hopefully, you know, with some, you know, parenting lessons, you know, parent and child pair or, or whatever family may be able to get away from that. But I could see a practical use for it that may not be quite um, transparent to people who may not have that kind of experience. Well, of course. I mean, just like anything, there are extenuating circumstances, you know, for that. But if it's just a regular child that you can't, you can't guide, you can't mold, and you just pop them on a leash, of course. I mean, there is some really twisted humor to that. So thank you for buzz killing that, Kevin. I truly appreciate that. <laughs> Damn you, straight man. You're my straight man of this show. <laughs> but no. no, no. Now, uh, th- th- that is my rants. And, uh, of course, once again, to steal a part of cereal and beer, what kind of shout-outs do you have for us before we call it a night? Mm-hmm. Shout-outs. Hmm. Oh, man. That just escaped my brain. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. Shout-out goes to... I would like to say... Uh, um, I personally enjoy... Uh, is just like uh, using voice commands. I've been debating on trying to on, on Black Friday getting a uh, Google Home or the Amazon Echo or the Apple version of it because I've used them before and they're really fun. They're just easy. Yeah, you put stuff on a calendar. You ask, you know, ask it what day it is or um, to set an alarm or just to help you in many different ways. You can even get one device to hook it up. Like, okay, turn on lights. And I think that's the leader feature for me. I it, I do, you know, once in a while have privacy concerns, but I'm like, uh, they've got all the information on me anyways. <laughs> I can't escape. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like those devices. How would you? Interesting. So, excuse me as I knock over things. Wonderful editing here. I'll <laughs> uh, give a special shout-out um, to people that that have to deal with migraines. To have to deal with headaches on a daily basis. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big baby when it comes to pain. Yes, I'm a professional wrestler. Yes, I'm a father of, of many, many years. I've raised multiple kids. No, not my own. I've raised, I raised multiple kids. I have worked labor jobs, hard jobs, everything, and which I still do. But the moment I get sick or, God forbid, I have a headache, I turn into the biggest baby in the world. And you want to talk about popping pills, folks. I'm not a medication kind of guy. I'm not a pill kind of guy. But, uh, yeah, I've experienced migraines this past week and a half. And, yes, um, pills are my friend. Uh, <laughs> I don't endorse it. But, yes, headache, headache medicine has been my friend. And, uh, yeah, headaches are no joke, folks. They are truly no jokes. I think I'm dying and everything of the sort. But, no, just mainly tension, headaches, and just being sick and recovering. It is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big baby when it comes to being sick. Just my whole shtick is when I get sick, leave me alone. Turn off the lights, close my door, <laughs> don't talk to me, don't do anything, leave me be, let me die in peace. Once I'm feeling better, I'll take a shower and then I'll talk. But other than that, no, I'd be left alone. What about you when you get sick? Yeah, kind of. I hate being sick because it feels like I'm being dragged down and like to be... Um, I also like, I guess to be, 
traditional I feel like my, my, my chi is like down you know <laughs> I'm, I'm like yeah it's just like it's like it is feels like you know your life energy has been dampened I'm like oh, this is terrible and I you know I get migraines too due to stress and um uh, light sensitivity is formally called photophobia and so it does kind of like well that's the rest of my day <laughs> I just want to call out sick from reality <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could it, it could be any anything for me, you know. Just, just, um, I mean, light sensitivity, like you said, um, it could be uh, my prescription uh, for my contacts. It could be just just a plethora of diff- many different things. And the from what I learned, what I don't do, or what anybody really shouldn't do, is when you get sick, never go on Google. Worst thing in the world. You Google. Light headache. All of a sudden, you're like, you're dying. You're going to die. Your head's going to explode or fall off. No, I no. Never look up Google. Never look up symptoms. Just go to your doctor, folks. Just just go to your doctor. <laughs> but uh, but as the show comes to a close, we'd like to thank everyone once again for tuning in to the Walker AC Experience. Um, we hope you guys had a great Labor Day, and of course, we'll be back next tuesday as well excuse me what am i saying tuesday it is tuesday now technically technically this show is supposed to be for uh, saturday <laughs> put labor day weekend folks it's a holiday it's a paid holiday we don't get paid but uh you know we continue to solve all the world's problems because kevin we're not heroes we we are we are legends it's just what we do that's right get it right everybody <laughs> So this show will be for Tuesday, and we're going to have a bonus show on Saturday to make up for the Labor Day weekend and all that fun stuff in between. So as we get ready to sign off, anything you have to say for Kevin? Uh, Any uh, words of wisdom? Anything you have to uh, leave us with? Hmm, Other than please listen to Sir Lumbeer. (laughs) Uh, And... um, And lost like and subscribe and email us. Uh, I would say do something mindfully. It could be something really, really simple. It could be like the next drink of anything you have, you know, concentrate on that only. And I think that uh, it'll make you feel good to really just put aside everything and to really savor something. Hmm. I like that. And of course, uh, my advice, of course, is. Take care of yourself. Do something nice for yourself and for other people every single day. Because like I've always said before, not to sound macabre or anything of the sort, you never know. You never know when your ticket is called. So how do you want to be remembered? Do something that makes a difference every single day, whether it be holding a door for someone, giving a person a nod, smile, ask them how their day is, because you never know what another person's going through. So no matter what is going on in your life, Try to do something nice for other people. The littlest of things make the biggest difference. This has been a Walker AC experience. I have been Adrian. That has been Kevin. You've been my friends, my family, my loved ones, people who love me, people who hate me, but you still listen. You always will listen. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. (laughs) This has been a Walker AC experience, and we'll talk to you again next time.